sorry, they've, they've been following me for blocks. I, I don't know what to say, really. Don't worry. Look, they've already settled down. Uh, welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be interviewing Dr. Marcy Fallock today. She's been a veterinarian since 1986, and she specialized most of this time, I believe, in holistic medicine. And she has a lot to share with us today about trauma from various sources. So first of all, Dr. Fallock, I wanted to talk to you about um, your experience with animals in terms of trauma, in terms of grief. And I know you've said that they don't actually come to you, uh, you know, bringing whether it's acute trauma or even they don't maybe don't realize that the dog is having a grief. But how you were telling me a story about um, a Dalmatian. And I'd love you to tell the audience about that. Yeah, first of all, more broadly, um, the emotions cause so many problems in animals, um, including physical. So this Dalmatian is a great example of this. I was um, treating this dog, 15-year-old Dalmatian, um, for um, arthritis. And I was seeing it pretty much at this point, I think every other week, it was doing great. Um, And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from some guys. I guess they were the house sitters. The man had gone to India um, on a business trip. And they told me the dog could not walk. The dog was acutely paralyzed in all four legs. They just took him out of the the, um, the emergency clinic. It was spent three days there, but they couldn't help him. They told him to euthanize the dog. Wow. I said, That's really weird. Bring him right over. I can see you this afternoon. Right. So they brought this, they carried these two big guys, carried this Dalmatian and it was tetraplegic. It was terrible. Wow. And it was really odd because um, I had just seen the dog a few weeks ago. It was totally fine. Right. And it said, um, when did he go paralyzed? And he, I, just a few days ago. And I said, when did Howard, the owner leave. It said this happened the day after he left uh-huh. and it just clicked. I said, this has to be grief. That's the only thing that it could right. be. Right. So, so I just we, want to stop you for a second. Cause this is just so similar in terms of me treating humans. Oh yeah. You, you know, know I remember this thing with grief and paralysis because my grandmother, they could never figure it out. She was like 80 years old and she acutely uh-huh. went paralyzed when her sister died. And um, I I now know it's when her sister died, but she went through all these tests and she spent the last six years of life in a nursing home because she couldn't walk. And now I realize it was grief. That's why I never forgot that grief was paralysis. That's amazing, huh? Yeah. So anyway, we called up, this man was in India, he's an antique dealer. And uh, he, they'd already spoke to the house sitters and he was ready to put the dog down. I said, listen, Howard, I'm pretty sure it's grief and I'm pretty sure Ignatia, which is a homeopathic remedy, will make the dog walk again because he wanted to fly right back. I said, no, I think it'll be okay. You don't have to fly back. And at any rate, um, I gave the, he said, how long would the, the dog got better, walked the next day. And he said, well, how long will this last? So I said, probably until your next trip. Unfortunately, <laughs> what happens when animals get older, like they can deal with, you know, grief when they're young and healthy, but this dog was 15 when they get older and weaker it takes a huge toll on them, right. um, especially when their their owner leaves or their sibling dies, their pet sibling dies, something like that. So grief right. is responsible for a lot of uh, injuries or trauma in animals. Right. Wow, that's an amazing story. And what dose of Ignatia? 1M. So usually with emotional um, uh, etiologies or causes, you have to go high. So homeopathy can range from 
low doses to high doses. And usually I'm very cautious with older animals giving high doses, right. but basically for an emotional issue, you got to hit them high. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how I see things too. Yeah. Even though that it's old and it, it, if it's at that level, you really have to go in high. Okay. That's great. Do you have any other stories you wanted to share before we get into some other things? That you know what? I just realized, I don't know how I forgot this. My own dog also had gone paralyzed. That's why I also remembered this story. Um, my dog, Annie, and I was going to eight conferences a year, traveling all the time. And mm -hmm. once I was in Florida, I was going to give a presentation at a holistic conference. My house sitter calls me desperate that Annie can't, she's 85 pounds. She's dragging her around with a towel. She couldn't walk. And I, I said, you know, I thought it was a disc problem. Initially, I thought, you know, give her a hypericum, which is a homeopathic remedy for disc problems. It didn't work. And I said, it has to be Ignatia. It has yeah. to be grief. So I had her give Ignatia. I took the next plane home. I skipped the conference and she was walking. And <laughs> I was, I was, yeah. It's I love yeah. these stories. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a, just a great way to show that homeopathy is, does not have a placebo effect. You know what? One of my actually one of the, another grief case was a guinea. It was a hamster I was treating. I love treating odd animals. I treated like bearded lizards and snakes <laughs> and guinea pigs. And this was a hamster, yeah. and I forget that it, it had some. It had mammary tumors, I think. Oh. And um, at any rate, it was very depressed. And again, it just wasn't eating. I gave it Ignatia because the owner had kind of left on vacation. It was with the house. And they usually blame the house sitter, which is not the house sitter's fault. Right. It's the fact that they're missing the, um, the owner. So Ignatia, I mean, when I first started studying holistic medicine or homeopathy, um, you know, we weren't taught that animals could have emotions. I knew they could. But right. later on, I went and spent many years studying in England. And they said they taught that emotions cause most of their problems. Right. And I have seen that probably causes about half of their problems. Uh, what's the other half? Well, the other half uh, is usually veterinarian induced, which are, I tell people there are three main causes of disease, three or four. One is vaccines, too many vaccines, one or too many vaccines. Right. Two are drugs, right? flea and tick products. Uh -huh. emotions and food lesser. I mean, people like to focus on food because it's very safe and non-controversial, right. but you know, we had the, uh, some stray cats we fed my neighbor, fed her really crappy, fed them really crappy food yeah. um, for 27 years. They lived to be 27, all of them, all six of them. Um, so they think you can, you can, you won't thrive, you won't thrive, but you'll survive, but it's really the drugs and the vaccines Right. Okay. Well, then let's back up a little bit and just talk about where were you educated? Where did you get your uh, vet degree? Well, very good question. First of all, I always loved animals, uh -huh. um, but I never wanted to be a vet. So I managed because I wasn't really attracted to science and medicine. I just loved animals. Uh -huh. My family all told me I should be a veterinarian, but uh, you know, that wasn't my interest. I was going to work with horses, but that didn't last too long with training horses. Uh -huh. So I managed to get through undergraduate without taking one single science course. Um, and then when I decided to go to vet school, I, and even though I had a 3.9 average, I'd have to go back to vet school, live at home for two more years, take sciences and get a 4.0. And I, I had no interest in doing that. So I, I'd heard about veterinarian schools abroad and I heard about vet school. A lot of people went to vet school in Italy uh -huh. and I had spent time living in Europe before and I jumped at the chance. So I actually ended up uh, getting a degree from the university of Bologna, Italy. Oh, wow. Do you speak Italian? Am all my courses were orally in Italian? Yes. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And so you were there for how long? Ten years. You were there for ten years. So did I you was. practice? 
So you went to school. I went to school. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it's a, it's a five-year program, but the American, most people flunk out, to be honest with you. It's very, very difficult, uh-huh. especially because it's in Italian because the system is really crazy. Did you um, learn Italian from being there or did you, had you learned Italian? Well, I went to a school for, I had studied French and I wasn't great at languages. So I went about six months earlier uh-huh. to Perugia where they have a language course for foreigners. And I spent about three months thinking that I knew it after three months, but studying medicine and saying hello and goodbye is a lot, lot different. So it was really a struggle, uh, especially because they don't use textbooks. It's all like you have to sit through lectures and listen to them speak really fast. Oh my gosh. So it was, yeah, it was tough. And did did, you grew up in New York, didn't you? Yeah. I'm from New York, Long Island area. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So you spent 10 years there and then, uh, and then what happened? And then how did you, what were your thoughts then? I'm sorry. What were your thoughts? Like how you were going to practice or what did you think of the whole? So I, in, I was overwhelmed. I mean, I was grateful that I got through vet school and I was overwhelmed coming back to America because I had to pass the boards here and I knew the system was completely different. So I had to then prepare for the New York, uh, for the, all the boards in America. I was actually on my way to California, but they changed the rules and I was only eligible to, to a practice in New York, Connecticut and Florida at that time. Um, so, um, anyway, I had to prepare to study and pass the boards, um, which I did on my own. It took me about a year and I passed everything first time. Um, and, um, then I basically had to get an apprentice. Um, we, you know, we didn't, that school in, um, Italy is, is very theoretical. There's, it was free, which is a plus. Um, but they don't have too many live animals. So I got a job and, uh, I was kind of learning as I worked. That's amazing that they, oh, anyways, that's another story, but yeah, that's another story. (laughs) Yeah, that's another story. Okay. So, and then as you were treating the animals of what you had learned how to do, what happened? Well, I mean, my heart wasn't, I, I was never, never really resonated with me, with me. I was holistic really from the time I was 17. I became a vegetarian. Uh-huh. So I was very conscious of health. I would never take an aspirin for a right. headache. And right. my soul was not um, really into dispensing drugs and doing right. surgery. It wasn't really me. So it was very difficult um, for me to um, be a vet. I didn't feel I had much in common with other vets. I was a vegetarian. Nobody could understand why I didn't want to eat my patients. <laughs> I mean, they would, I literally, I'd be at a meeting, we'd be at a dinner meeting and I'd order a vegetarian. They go like, what, really? You don't eat meat? I'm like, yeah. You know, right. what's such the jump here? Right. At any rate, um, I didn't really fit in. I work very hard. I'm a perfectionist, but it was a challenge. But what happened was my dog, Annie, developed, um, she ruptured a cruciate ligament. Uh-huh. And um, I did you not could want... just, for people, you could just explain what oh, that Oh, yeah. So first of all, she just hurt her leg. At first, I thought it was just right. a sprain. Um, it was one of my first years practicing, and my bosses all thought it was just a sprain, and they wanted me to put her on non-steroidals. And I, even though I would dispense it and, ex- and explain to people that they were could have side effects, I didn't want to give it to my baby girl. Right. So, um, I didn't do that. Um, and then I would, I was pretty sure that she ruptured a ligament. It's what they call it football knee. I don't know anything about football, but there are two ligaments that connect the femur and the tibia. And it's a very common injury in or condition in dogs. So I took it to a orthopedic surgeon and at first he didn't believe it was ruptured either, but it ended up being ruptured. 
Uh-huh. And um, I didn't want to do surgeries just as much as I didn't want to do uh, drugs. Right. So this was uh, like 1993, I think it was. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I, my mother had cut out an article years before about an acupuncturist in, in New York, uh-huh. um, veterinary acupuncturist. And um, she knew I was into holistic because I'd been to natural paths and acupuncturist myself in the past that she had paid for. So um, I was really excited that there could be a, another option to um, to uh, surgery. Right. So I started taking Annie there every week. And actually, it didn't help my dog, unfortunately. Uh-huh. But while I was sitting in the waiting room listening to the miraculous stories of what acupuncture could do, I knew this was my calling. Uh-huh. I mean, I it ended up that Annie had surgery, and that was that's another story. So in the meantime, I decided to go for the acupuncture course. Uh-huh. Um, the veterinarian, we thought maybe we'd go into business together, and I had to become certified in acupuncture. So immediately, I signed up for the year-long course. I became certified. And I was like, um, Charlie Chaplin, modern times, you know that I was sticking needles and everything. I was trying everything. And right. it was like, the sky was the limit. I right. healed so many different conditions. Wow. And I said, this, this is me. And then I wanted to expand my repertoire because I knew I wanted to leave the drugs and everything behind. And I read about in the journal, a year long homeopathy course with Dr. Richard Pick here. And I knew nothing about homeopathy. I just knew that I knew nothing about it. Right. I said, well, let me, let me learn. Right. And uh, I signed up for the course and it was like even more amazing than acupuncture. Right. I took the advanced course and then I wanted more knowledge. And as Providence, um, what happened was I, somebody came into my office in New York um, and she had, she was amazing. She was a human homeopath and she knew so much. I said, where'd you learn this? And she learned it in London. Yeah. It was like once a month for five months. And I signed up for that course and then I became addicted and I signed up for another course so right. bottom line is I went to England for eight, eight or nine years, once a month, um, studying homeopathy there. Wow. And uh, that was no going back for that. I started studying herbs and nutrition and went into all the holistic conferences. And I, w- I was with my people. I was finally home. Oh, that's so nice. It's a beautiful story. And how has it been for you practicing? Well, I'm so grateful, first of all. I mean, it's a whole other world. I mean, it, it's miraculous. So as a, um, as a veterinarian, it's, it's, it was really like magic. Like when I saw the, the first veterinarian, um, you know, making paralyzed, it sort of felt like Jesus or something. You make paralyzed walk again, the blind right. see. Right. And I, I'm like, I just wanted to do that. I mean, I, I, my God, it just was amazing. And so, yes, I still am awed by what holistic medicine can do. However, there, the reason there are so few veterinary holistic doctors in the world actually i think there's maybe two or three dozen in america i know there i think there are nine in australia there and there's many reasons first of all all there are is nine in australia and i believe so i i'm friends with the president of the uh, holistic uh, society there right and there's one in each territory and it's because we fought we we face the same obstacles all over the world number one is you're facing you know, the obstacle of the, the veterinary associations, the FDA, I'm mean, they're trying to, it's a threat to, you know, follow the money. It's a threat to conventional medicine where they get tons right. of money. Right. I mean, in veterinary medicine, just as much as in regular medicine. Right. And the, the, the you know, my colleagues, the veterinarians are brainwashed. The, the veterinary schools and the um, continuing education are funded by the drug companies. 
right. and the um, pharmaceutical companies and they're brainwashed to think this is bogus. I, I was called a quack. I was called, I was a do a rain dance and nobody believed. I mean, the first thing, the scientific principle, this is where my philosophy degree really helped. I mean, to have an open mind, to right. think outside of the box, to right. believe what your eyes see. Right. I mean, you, you know, if you see something in front of you, believe it, trust it, rather than the drug reps that right. are just giving you garbage You're right. a lot of the time. I mean, you watch TV now with all the liability, they'll tell you the side effects of drugs. Right. You know, if something, you have a psoriasis, but you could die or get epilepsy. Right. I mean, so why would that be your first choice in medicine? Right. I mean, it could be a last resort, but not the first resort. Right. But the, the vets, so the, my colleagues are very skeptical. I mean, now that acupuncture is more accepted, I mean, originally I was a quack. Now this is more accepted. Now homeopathy, there's nothing to that at all. Right. So I face the, the derision of my colleagues. I'm up against the boards. Um, and people are brainwashed. I mean, I remember I, when I first started practicing on a phone call, I was written up in the New York Times. That's a whole other story. My first Times article, what a miracle that was. Um, and, um, this woman called me up, her dog has had diarrhea for 10 years. Um, and she wanted to know if I can help. I said, probably yes. She said, but I love my veterinarian. And she kept going, but I said, I'm sure they're very nice, but like in 10 years, <laughs> the dog is still has diarrhea. You know, we can try something different. <laughs> and she wouldn't do, she, she made an appointment. She canceled. She said, I love my vet. I love my vet. I mean, so people are really reluctant to change. Right. Um, People are skeptical. I mean, they will spend tens of thousands of dollars, literally, at tests that get them nowhere. Right. Um, but, you know, we spend time. I spend about an hour or two, at least an hour and a half to two hours per client initially. Right. And, you know, it's not going to be $50 for an office visit. But, but the people don't understand that, you know, what we have is our, our time and our expertise. We don't charge for expensive surgeries or for expensive medications or for testing that's a lot of times unnecessary. I mean, I, I mean, I'll tell you a story. This is, you know, one of the difference between a holistic and this is just a, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. I had a client who was a, an old client and they don't come back to me. They come to me with dying animals and they start off again with a regular vet. Uh -huh. So I had helped her dog enormously, the old generation. She got a new puppy. She comes to me, she calls me up, her dog is air looking. I didn't really know what that meant. But anyway, she comes to me with a nine-month-old puppy. Air licking? Air licking. Air oh, licking. Air licking. Okay. Air licking. The dog's air licking. Okay. So they had done a bunch of tests. They put it on a ton of drugs, and the dog was still air licking. And they wanted to do a CAT scan on its brain. And she kind of balked at that because I think it was like three thousand uh dollars. -huh. So she brought the puppy in. It was a, a spaniel, like a, a English spring spaniel. And the first thing I said, this dog is so skinny. Aren't you feeding? She says, yeah, it eats great. Anyway, so I'm going through everything, uh, the history and the notes, and I'm looking at the dog, and everything was normal. So I start, like, like doing the tongue looking myself, like seeing what that means. Right. I said, I think the dog's hungry. It's licking its lips because it wants more food. Right. I mean, honestly, really? I said, triple the food she hadn't increased the food from the time she got it at three months old they told her to feed whatever it was and she never increased it even the dog was growing oh my so god the dog what the air looking stopped as soon as she fed it more food wow so that <laughs> is yeah so i i want to say another story this is actually on my website it, it's mm -hmm. going to be in a book i'm writing I mean, it was really amazing. So I volunteered for a um, rescue organization. Mm -hmm. And again, you don't have to be a rocket scientist here. So they had a corgi mix 
that they brought to their veterinarian. The dog wasn't walking. So the first vet took an x-ray and said it has terrible arthritis. They put it on strong non-steroidals that made the dog have terrible diarrhea and the dog still didn't walk. Right. So they took it to a second vet, a specialist that did some x-rays and said the dog has an enlarged heart, put it on some heart medication. And uh, the dog got really sick from that also. It still didn't walk. So they took it to a third veterinarian who then did more blood work and said the dog had Cushing's disease, which is an endocrine disease, and put it on um, lysadrine. It's sort of a chemotherapy. And the dog almost died. Right. So they brought the dog to me. The, the, and I'm treating it for free. They meanwhile spent a fortune of people's... Why are you treating for free? I was a oh, volunteer. That's a rescue. That was a volunteer. Yeah, yeah. that's rescue. Yeah, yeah. They, bring, but they don't think of coming to the holistic. Yeah, yeah. They go to the specialist. Right. So they brought dog to me. So this is really unbelievable. So I put the dog um, on the table and I start examining it from the, they brought all the blood work and the x-rays and all that. So they start, um, I start from the head where I was taught to examine and looking at the dog yeah. and the dog is a puppy. It's a little, it's a puppy that nine under a year old. Teeth uh-huh. sparkling white. So um, I work my way down and the dog has no front legs. It's like a thalidomide baby. It had no wow. front legs. It had right. like flip, like paws attached to the trunk, which is the reason the dog couldn't walk. Oh. Now, over the test, it did have arthritis of the spine, and that was because the dog was tilted downwards, and all the pressure on the spine caused some arthritis. Uh-huh. It, the heart, it was a, like a, a quirky mix, so its yeah. chest and heart ratio was a little bit abnormal because of the breed, which right. made the heart bit big but it was normal uh-huh. and the alkaline phosphatase which is an enzyme that's elevated in Cushing's was elevated but it's also elevated in growing dogs because it's um, excreted from the bone so we've been bone and right. that's why it was but no none of the three vets ever examined the dog but you know who did they said when I told them the dog I said look at these legs it was hard to see because the dog had long hair and was close to the ground so you know you had to like kind of examine it right and they think Ruma said to us that the dog had funny legs. And I, I'll tell you, the groomers are a lot of times better than a lot of vets. They could, they go over every inch of the dog because uh-huh. we have lost the art of the physical exam. Right. They have taught them to base, to, to do all these expensive tests, which you're happy to do because they make a ton of money. Right. Um, and they don't look at that animal, which, you know, you have to, you have to examine, you have to think critically, you have to think for yourself. Exactly. So uh, I think I was talking about obstacles. So, um, yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, it's very similar in, in terms of treating people. Uh, physical exam, yes, but you can he- learn so much because they speak. They can tell you so many things about their case history. So in a way, that's the equivalent there. That yeah, just, it's like children, like treating children. Yeah, we're not listening. We're not looking. Yeah. And people are just so quick to give a drug or say that, oh, well, then they have to have a vaccine or whatever. And I think that this is really the crux of it is that we've lost certain arts that really need to be brought back. And I think it's just such a shame that it's so hard for you um, in terms of practicing because people want a quick fix and just like they do in. in I mean, there are so many, it's exactly, I, I'm, I call myself the 11th hour of that because, uh-huh. people, you know, like teeth tried everything else, tried homeopathy. And they come to me, unfortunately, probably 75% of my practice is cancer. Uh-huh. Because at that point they have you know no hope, nothing the vet right. can, can help, yeah. and that's when they think of holistic. And I will say, I mean, I don't know statistically. I mean, I would say 
probably 90% of the animals that come to me, I can help in one sense or the other. I mean, maybe I can't save them, but I can do something. But, um, oh, I lost my train of thought here. Um, With the cancer, that they have no hope and then they come to you? Yeah, but you asked me a question before. Well, that doesn't matter. Probably about 50% of the animals that come to me, even despite that, I can help. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. So another thing that I do with clients, which is so important is one ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right. So we talk about like doing titers, for example, you don't have to do the vaccine every year, every three years, you could do blood titers and make check and see if your dog really needs that vaccine. Right. Um, even if you're pro vaccine, most of the time they don't need it. Right. And also, oh, this is what I wanted to say. Why are there so few holistic veterinarians? I right. remember finally I met one man. A lovely young man in his 30s, veterinarian, came to me with his dog. I, I treated it for, with acupuncture, did great. Um, and he was gung ho. I said, "Why don't you, you know, why don't you get into holistic me- medicine?" He says, "Are you crazy? I'm not going to work so hard for so little money." So, I mean, that's really a bottom line here too. Is that very? I mean, people have families, and I'm not condoning this. I would rather clean houses than hurt an animal right. but basically a lot of these vets so-called holistic vets may sell a few supplements they may do some stuff but on the other hand they're also doing the things they know are wrong right. and the reason the bottom line is they don't make the money and even though people think we charge a lot of money when you think 20 i remember I had a cat come to me this was crazy a cat they, they drove the cat was dying and actually they sent it home for the emergency hospital with the jugular catheter and to euthanize the next day so they heard about me. They drove from New York to Connecticut to see me. And the story, the backstory was that the cat was pretty much okay, but it lost a pound. So they took it to the vet, hadn't been to the vet in years, indoor apartment cat. And the vet couldn't figure out why this um, cat had, was, you know, lost a pound, but said, never mind, no big deal. Gave it its vaccines, hadn't had vaccines in several years. Mm-hmm. Next day, its body cavities filled up with fluid. Um, went to the uh, emergency hospital um, and uh, they, they came with a stack of notes and I had to ask them, it was about a hundred pages. I said, how much did you spend on this animal? Right. And they said, well, and they were embarrassed, $12,000 in three days. Wow. Anyway, um, they were really nice people. I, I figured out the problem. The vet said it had nothing to do with the vaccines, which I knew it did. I mean, it was fine until it had it. Right. Um, Bottom line is, I don't remember what remedy I gave it at this point, but the next day they called me, the, dog, the cat was better, and it got better and better. It was fine. But okay. yeah, the problem is they'll spend so many, so much money uh-huh. at the regular vet, right. and they're either bankrupt or they are you know, reluctant to, to pay more money, which is really sad. So if they would have learned, come to the holistic vet initially, spent that money for an hour consult, heard about how to prevent these diseases, and, um, you know, what to feed them, how, how to vaccinate them, what to do, they will ha- end up, I mean, right now they're telling owners, I, I can't believe when I first started practicing, dogs oftentimes lived until the late teens. I mean, labs lived till 17, 18 years old. Right. Um, we had poodles that lived till 27 and cats easily into the mid twenties. Now they're telling people at eight or nine, they're old. It's crazy. Is so, that right? I didn't know that. Jeez. Absolutely. Wow. They're living shorter and shorter. I mean, I adopt some of my animals they, and they're sick when I get them, but they end up living till 16 or 17. Wow. But they're dying at 12. Most of them are dead now. It's crazy. Yeah. So the reference changes because people are, yeah. and yeah. animals too are just so yeah. sick these days. Yeah. Chronically Ill. The parameters change. Yeah. Well, this is why I wanted to 
one interview you with this and I also, you know, doing the other um, episodes and just this whole series and writing the books as well is the fact that, you know, people aren't being, you're not being heard. I'm not being heard. And yet we have this experience that we could offer to people. I know, even though these people are spending, you know, up to $12,000 in three days at a vet, they want to know this information. And we need to find a way to get it out there because it's unacceptable that really what's happening is that the pharmaceutical industry is siphoning off the uh, money that should be going for our wages so that we can really help people without resorting to drugs. I know it's, 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 I mean, I'm heartbroken. I mean, honestly, every time I get a new client, they come with stacks of records and I look at all those stickers from the vaccines and I look at everything that they've had and it breaks my heart. Yeah. All of this, so much of this could have been prevented. It is heartbreaking. I'm, I'm, I'm sickened and the, you know, I'm the bearer of bad news and I would love to be able to reach out to people before, you know, as if the happiest time is when I see a puppy and kitten and the people listen to what I have to tell them and I don't see them again. I, I you know, see them again in a year for a checkup and they're healthy and they should have like three pages of notes, not, hundred pages in three days. Right, right. Animals should my, my my animals have very short records and they're all fifteen now. So they right. shouldn't be going so often to the vet and getting all these drugs. In the old days they used to work for a practice in the farm country and the and the farmers would come in and say, What's going on here? We used to feed our our animals table food. We never went to the vet and they lived till sixteen. I mean now I'm always at the vet and they're always sick. Right. So yeah, information out there is, is really critical, is really critical. And it's mirroring the general human population because it's even worse because animals have compressed life, you know, their lifespan right. is whatever. So they're getting that much more um, yeah. in that short lifespan. They, they're sicker and sicker. Yeah. And this is closer to the ground. So, you know, um, there's so many toxins being sprayed on. Well, you know what? It's interesting. I've had a couple because, because the, the, you know, the chronic diseases is so often caused by, unfortunately, vet, modern veterinary, veterinary medicine. But recently, because I've had some educated clients that haven't done the, all the vaccines, I had two animals in a week that got cancer, nasal cancer from the carpeting when they put in new carpeting. Oh, yeah, of course. Unbelievable, unbelievable. unbelievable. Wow. I, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and the then- animals knew the cat and the dog didn't want to go on the new carpeting initially. Really? Yep, but then when they lost their sense of smell due to the nasal cancer, they they went. Um, both of the animals, one of the dogs I'm treating now, it's like I think a year and a half, and it's it's progressing slowly, which is great. Um, the dog was only three years old when it got it. It was terrible. Oh, that's so sad. So, how do you treat um, cancer and uh, most of it's homeopathy? Homeopathy works great for cancer. So my own dog, Miss, on my website, I have a picture of her cancer uh, mast cell cancer. Uh-huh. Um, you can it like step-by-step shrinking with the, with the remedies. Right. So iPhone, I documented it. So, you know, you, you know, you can't really contest when you see it with your own eyes. So that's, I mean, I, I didn't know if she was going to make it or not. This was in 2012, uh-huh. 2019. She's 15 and actually her cancer is gone at this point, but uh-huh. it was, it was, it was killing her. So yeah, homeopathy, it works the best for cancer. And when you say it's mast cell, um, mast cell, it's a certain type of cancer. Yeah, no, no, I know, but how do you? So you you do do some lab work then? No, no, I knew by looking at it actually. I never oh. it wasn't biopsied. I, I didn't biopsy it. At, I knew it was. I mean, eventually, what happened was in her lymph node, uh-huh. um, and um, she's had it since she's a puppy. It's caused by a vaccine. But anyway, um, she it, it, it went into remission, and then 
when I traveled, that's when the cancer got worse. He was in a situation in a, in a house sitter situation that I didn't know was so bad mm-hmm. and it got really bad. It went to a lymph node and I, I got it better, but the thing was growing slowly over time and it started tearing. Right. I just by looking at it was a mass cell. I don't even biopsy, bi- biopsying actually causes cancer to get worse. So I, I rarely right. recommend biopsy. Right. So, um, about three years ago, it start, was so big. It was getting torn on stuff. Uh-huh. I didn't mind looking at it anyway. So I, I took it to the tops actually. I really like them. And I said, at, we removed the tumor, but left the lymph node. Cause I knew the lymph node was protecting her body from the cancer. Right. So he did just that we sent it up for biopsy. It was a grade two mast cell tumor. It was exactly what I thought it was, but she was living with that tumor for like 12 years. Wow. And where was it? It was in her groin. Her groin. Uh-huh. So yeah, it was and it, you know, it didn't bother me. I could have let her, but it was, I didn't want it to be an emergency that it would start bleeding everywhere. And I knew the lymph node would protect her. And he listened right. to me. The doctor was great. He didn't buy, he didn't uh, stick any needles in the lymph node or remove the lymph node, which is typically what they do. And then it right. spreads. Right. Right. But usually I can tell by physical exam what it is most of the time. Wow. You're good. So, um, can you share with what homeopathics you used or would you rather not? Oh my God. I've used so many. I mean, I will say, um, her acute was pulsatilla uh-huh. because that was an ED remedy. So when I was away, right. Um, that was, I mean, they're, they're really odd remedies. I think carbo veg was there. Um, uh, Lachesis was there as a number of different remedies. Right. Um, when I was, um, uh, uh, treating the real bad flare up. But what I found out, and this is really important because we were taught with home- homeopathy that you can't treat prophylactically, but actually I, I, you know, with my dog, Annie and the grief, Ignatia, right. I mean, right. every time, three times she went paralyzed when I traveled. So I said, you know, let me try it before I go. And she never went paralyzed again. Wow. That's so great. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that, I think in terms of that prophylactically, because she had that predisposition. So I did that with my dog. Um, destiny the one i have now that every time i went away i would give her the pulsatilla before i went away uh-huh. um, and one time i didn't i was consulting with another veterinarian they're saying you know you gave it too often so i didn't and that's when it spread uh, so every time before i go away she got the pulsatilla 1m yeah um and uh it hasn't gone anywhere so yeah that's i, I don't remember she's been on stramonium she's been a number of remedies actually uh, right lots yeah well that's fantastic so what would you like to see happen in terms of your profession? Or is that, well, I wish, you know, I, I mean, the, the, the holistic, I think the HVMA is, is expanding. People are interested I and mean, there's a great demand out there. Um, but so vets are incorporating some things, right. Um, which is really good. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much that, that what we talked about the obstacles, I mean, the, the, the profession is, um, you know, trying to phase us out in general. We have to fight, continually fight. The FDA wants to get rid of homeopathic remedies. Right. Um, and there are lots of us, the few of us that are here, a lot of, the, of us are, you know, writing documented articles, um, you know, fact-based um, um, articles on homeopathy. That, that's not my thing. But we need to convince more veterinarians to number one be open so because so many clients they, they won't after i help their animals they won't go back to their regular i encourage them to they need a regular vet because i don't do surgery and stuff but they're like they say the vets don't believe them they they, they laugh at them they so they're not open with them i want more veterinarians to become um 
more open to holistic and practice holistic because honestly, we're a dying profession. Like, right. Let me just interrupt for a second because it's the same thing that happens with um, my patients, the people that come over the years and they get better. And then, well, can you go and tell your medical doctor that this is what happened? Right. And they're very shy to do that. They Some will. Some get very proud of it. But so many won't. And so that's why the message is not being. Well, yeah. And what's happened is, I mean, it's very, very rare that they believe them. They get angry. Yeah. They make fun of them. They, right. They're losing their clients. I mean, to me, that's why I gave it up in a second. When I saw this worked better um, and is better for the animal, to me, it's a no-brainer. You do what's best. My allegiance is to the animal. I mean, if I make less money, so be it. But, you know, I'm not going to harm animals. If I know there's a better way, that's the way I'm going to take. Absolutely. Um, Marcy, what's the association called? Well, in America, it's the Academy of Veterinary Homeopathy. There's the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. There's the, um, uh, I always get this mixed up. There's the Acupuncture Association. There's IVIS and AAVA, American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture. So the thing is, when you're looking for a holistic vet, a lot of acupuncturists are not holistic. Uh-huh. They very little acupuncture at the end of the day because it's very time consuming and you don't make so much money on it. Right. Uh, but you know what you should do is ask, your veterinarian, if they say they're holistic, their vaccine protocol. So basically you want to do as little as possible, as little as they need legally, as little as they need medically. Um, Because uh, there are a lot of faux holistic vets out there. Um, But I think I I lost your, what was your question? Well, I I just, if you could just speak a little bit slower about the association so that people listen. Okay, sure. So, um, there's the Academy of Veterinary Homeopathy, Academy of Veterinary Homeopathy uh-huh. um, in America, AVH, the, the AVH.org. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, there's American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. There is um, the American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture. Okay. Uh, I think those are the main associations. So there's three of them. Yeah. Three of them. Okay, great. So you can ask them um, what their vaccine protocol is and is what modalities they use. Yeah. Right. And what modalities, meaning acupuncture, homeopathy, or herbs, nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Nurse nutrition. Um, and in Los Angeles, are there very many? I don't, I don't think there are very many at all. I have a client that just uh, moved out there and uh, he came back to me. I have a lot of bi-coastal clients and there's, I don't think there's any homeopathic vets out there. I think there are some eclectics, but I do keep a lot of my California clients. They come back and forth and see me. So do you have a way that people could contact you if they'd like to get in touch with you? Yeah. The best thing is on my website, which is holisticvets.us. So holisticvets at holistic, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C, vet, V-E-T dot U-S. Oh, dot us. Okay. Holistic dot us. So that's where that's uh, Marcy's website. And uh, you can find out her, probably her email or phone. Yeah. I have an email on my phones are, are there also probably email is probably the best way to contact me. Wow. You know, it's just extraordinary. I, I'm, I'm really impressed with uh, what you do and, and just your commitment to the animals. And it's just, I just love well, it. I, really, I, I feel really blessed because as I say, I mean, science and I mean, medicine, drugs were not my thing. And I just feel so blessed to be able to be part of this miraculous healing yeah. and the connection with people. I mean, the connection is love. 
I mean, I, you know, in a 10 minute appointment visit, you, you don't have this deep connection. I mean, I love my animals the way my clients love my animals and the kind of communication and bonding that we do is just a, a real blessing for me. So uh-huh. I thank God for every day for my calling. Right. Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, you know, so much great information and just these stories are so inspiring to me. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to share them. There's, there's so many exciting things to share. So hopefully we can talk another time. I hope so. I hope so. Okay. Thanks okay. again. And then if anybody has any questions, just go to the holistic vet.us and I'm sure she's willing to, you know, give you some brief answers to some good questions. Thanks so much, Marcy. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye. Dr. Fallick. This has been so interesting. And I really thank you so much for sharing what you know and, and how you feel. Well, thank you for the opportunity to spread the word about holistic medicine. I'm, I'm really grateful for, yeah, for animals. It's wonderful. Yeah. So everybody should know that Dr. Fallick is on a short sabbatical. She's working on her memoir, uh, but she will be accepting new clients as of mid-March. She has offices in Manhattan and in Connecticut, and she also works by phone or Skype. So take her take the information down and let her know mid-March. Okay, thanks again. Okay, thank you, Heather, for having me. Thanks, Marcy. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.